Welcome to the Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast with Jim Palmer. Explore the universal significance of spirituality beyond traditional religious dogma and doctrines. Jim is a founder of the Center for Non-Religious Spirituality, where you can find community, resources, online courses, and more. Go to www.nonreligiousspirituality.com to learn more. Good afternoon, this is Jim Palmer. Thanks for joining me on today's Non-Religious Spirituality Podcast, broadcasting from Idaho while I'm drinking coffee. I started the morning with regular caffeinated coffee. I've downgraded to half-calf, half-decaf, and then later we'll go all decaf. But the fun fact from the day is, was Bertrand Russell in atheist. So if you don't know, Bertrand Russell is considered one of the early 20th century's most prominent analytic philosophers. And he's an interesting guy. You might want to read a little bit more about him. But the fun fact today has to do with whether or not he was an atheist. So let's kind of look at what he says himself. Bertrand Russell defines atheism this way. He says, are agnostics Atheists, Bertrand Russell says, no, an atheist like a Christian holds that we can know whether or not there is a God. The Christian holds that we can know there is a God. The atheist that we can know there is not. The agnostic suspends judgment saying that there are not sufficient grounds either for affirmation or for denial. At the same time, an agnostic may hold that the existence of God, though not impossible, is very improbable. He may even hold it so improbable that it is not worth considering in practice. In that case, Russell says, he is not far removed from atheism. His attitude may be that which a careful philosopher would have towards the gods of ancient Greece. If I were asked to prove that Zeus and Poseidon and Hera and the rest of the Olympians do not exist, I should be at a loss to find conclusive arguments. An agnostic may think the Christian God is improbable as the Olympians. In that case, he is for practical purposes at one with the atheists. So this later then was what Russell seemed to mean by calling himself an agnostic. He was at one with the atheists, as Russell said, but felt bound by logic to admit that he would not be at a loss to find arguments to disprove the existence of the Olympian deities. And so with this reservation, his arguments and criticism of religion and religious beliefs could proceed as if coming from the most trenchant of atheists. And that's the fun fact of the day. Bertrand Russell, was he an atheist? And the answer to that question is, well, it depends on what you mean by atheism. And you can read more about Bertrand Russell, very interesting philosopher, had a big impact on my deconstruction process. But today I want to talk to you about a couple things. People send me a, a couple questions and I want to read you their question, my response. And they're kind of the same subject or the same question, but coming at it from a couple different ways. So this is what Peter said. Peter said, Jim, 
I have an MDiv, a former pastor, an ex-evangelical. I have a few questions about your journey. How hard did you work in your deconstruction process at hanging on to something you called, quote, Christianity? Also, I realize there are kinder, gentler ways of understanding the bad God stories of the Old Testament, and one can even exegete away troubling Christian doctrine in the New Testament. But, Peter says, why put forth all that effort? If you left Christianity, why do you have to drag the Bible with you? I know you're a super busy guy. It's no hurry. If you're able, I'd be interested in knowing your thoughts. Thanks, Peter. So this is essentially what I said to Peter. I said, hi, Peter. Sounds like we have a lot in common. As you know, I did the MDiv, was many years an evangelical-ish mega pastor, and then walked away. Here are a few thoughts that you might find useful. First, let me repeat a guiding principle for one of my Wiccan friends. The principle says this, harm none, do what you will. And in this case, the application or the paraphrase of the principle might be, be a person of love, compassion, goodwill, and do whatever feels right to you in your deconstruction. In other words, there are no deconstruction guides requiring you to shoehorn your current beliefs or spirituality into something that sort of sounds or appears, quote, Christian. Neither is it necessary to drag the Bible forward in your post-religion spirituality. So we might as well, let me throw out a list of things you don't have to do anymore if they are not serving your current spiritual journey. You don't have to make your spirituality Christian. You don't have to incorporate the Bible in your continuing spiritual evolution. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to debate theology. You don't have to make Jesus a central part of your spirituality. Now, the point is this. Regardless of what I did or currently doing, regardless of what others did or what they're doing in their deconstruction, doesn't mean you have to or that you're supposed to, or that it would even be good for you to do. One person might do something on that above list I just read. Another person may do none of it. Do what works for you. A critical, critical aspect of the deconstruction process is cultivating a spirituality from the inside out, unhitched from external pressure or inner conditioning and indoctrination. Now also keep in mind that deconstruction is an evolving work in progress that never ends. When I first walked away from my ministerial career and walked away from the Christian religion, I went teetotal on Christianity. I quit attending church, I stopped reading the Bible, I ran from theological conversations, I separated myself from Christian subculture, I tossed all my Christian books and Christian music and I did not talk about Jesus. Now, you know, years later in my studies in the area of the philosophy of religion, I began to recognize, for example, the universal significance and relevance of the themes and stories and figures in the Bible, which you can especially appreciate once you find a better hermeneutic than God literally calling for smashing babies against rocks. So on the, on the other hand, it's not necessary I don't have to do a bunch of theological acrobatics to somehow prove that the point of the Bible when properly understood is to say that God is love. I know intuitively 
that love is the preeminent expression of ultimate truth. The problem is not knowing this. We basically all know this with or without the Bible. The challenge is being transformed by it and being love. Even if you can convince people to use the God is love hermeneutic and reinterpret the God smashing baby stories, it's not like you need the Bible to know the truth of love or even love is the ground of all being. So, you know, I know for many people that I've worked with, it would not be helpful or even healthy to insist that they adopt a better hermeneutic for reframing the Bible. Now, hear me again. I'm not saying that reframing the Bible and Christianity isn't a useful way for some people to do a season of their post-religion deconstruction process. And my work as a spiritual director, deconstruction, a religious trauma counselor, and as a faith transition or reconstruction mentor, I work with people who currently went from toxic religion to progressive Christianity. But I've also went, worked with those who went from toxic religion to Bertrand Russell atheism. In my work, I don't prescribe or steer a person onto a particular path. My work is to companion and support their process of cultivating an authentic spirituality from the inside out, whatever that is for them. Deconstruction does not have to mean coming up with a better version of Christianity or a kinder interpretation of the Bible. It could mean this for some people, but not others. For example, for me, because redoing Christianity wasn't my deconstruction focus, I felt completely free to explore, for example, Eastern spirituality, non-religious philosophy, the sciences, linguistics, anthropology, and those were very instrumental in my spiritual evolution. So basically what I said to Peter, I said, basically my, my answer is something like this. It's all good. What I mean is there's not a one size fits all answer to the deconstruction process. Let others do what works for them and you do you. But then I told Peter, here's my final answer. And I'm sure all of you listening right now have heard this phrase in essentials unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and all things love. So for me in deconstruction, I think of it this way. Deconstruction at its best enables a person to cultivate an authentic and meaningful spirituality. And that is the essential. We want all people to cultivate an authentic and meaningful spirituality, whatever that is for them. That's the essential. But here's the thing, how you get there is the non-essential. My way doesn't have to be your way. Your mother or father's way doesn't have to be your way. Your social media friends doesn't have to be your way. Progressive Christian path doesn't have to be your path. Becoming an atheist doesn't have to be your path because how you get to cultivating an authentic and meaningful spirituality, how you get there is the non-essential. But alas, in all things, love in all things be a person of compassion and love whatever your deconstruction process is however that is meaningful for you love and compassion is the defining characteristic of enlightenment self-actualization ethics morality it is the preeminent and defining characteristic of the highest truth. So let it be in all things love. Now, 
after I delivered this response to Peter, I got another question from Ainsley, and this is what she said. She said, hi, Jim, I noticed your recent answers to Peter. I too have an MDiv and was an evangelical pastor, but a situation in my church involving abuse and violence of a congregant led to my resignation. That experience started me on the road of deconstruction and reconstruction. I still deeply value the Bible, and I cannot deconstruct Jesus. I see many paths people wrestle with, depending on their unique backgrounds and personal processes. There sure aren't simple formulas for untangling what's useful and life-giving in new ways forward. So she asked me, she says, what do you have to say for those still wanting to sort out and reframe the Bible? Sometimes people discourage my continued love of Jesus while I respect whatever paths they take. It discourages me. What thoughts do you have for people like me? I hope you do a post on this. So thank you, Ainsley. And this is what I said. I said, Ainsley, I understand. I always get in trouble with respect to Jesus. Some people have written off Jesus entirely, right, historically and spiritually. And they don't care for my bringing Jesus up ever. So a lot of people don't like me because I talk about Jesus. And then others are upset because I don't accept the Orthodox Christian view of Jesus. So I guess this goes to show that even 2,000 years later, there are still divergent beliefs, controversy, and division about Jesus. Because no one likes when I bring up Jesus. Either you don't like that I bring it up at all, or you don't like what I have to say about it. So here's the thing that I would say about deconstruction and Jesus in the Bible. To this particular person who asks, look, it's easy for a person to get trapped in all kinds of false choices as it relates to the deconstruction process and what can be considered Christian. Here, let me give you a few. False choice number one. It's either the God of Christian fundamentalism, which is fundy theism, or no God at all, which is atheism. That's a false choice. It's not like those are the only two, two options. It's not like if you discover or you become sufficiently convinced that Christian theism doesn't work for you, that the only play at that point is to become an atheist. It just doesn't represent the spectrum of thinking throughout of all intellectual, philosophical, spiritual, and religious thinking to, to sort of create this binary choice. Let me give you another one. False choice number two. The Bible as the infallible and inerrant word spoken by God for all humankind or... The Bible is worthless and bullshit. Well, that's a false choice too. There's a lot of different ways to understand the Bible or find meaning in the Bible, which doesn't necessitate the belief that it's infallible and inerrant and the only truth from God to the world. False choice number three, Jesus as the divine son of God, bodily raised from the dead and at the right hand of God in heaven, or Jesus didn't even exist. Now, that's a false choice. Look, you don't have to accept the Jesus of Christianity, but moving from that to Jesus never existed defies critical thinking. There are a lot of choices and thoughts about Jesus outside these two binary ways of thinking. So in a nutshell, the binary thinking is not critical thinking. The reconstruction component of the deconstruction process is how a person chooses to cultivate their post-religion spirituality. Now, with respect to someone who's doing this from a Christian background, a few options might be someone who discards Christianity categorically 
and has no interest whatsoever in including theism, the Bible, or Jesus in their post-religion spirituality. Right, that would be kind of be Peter. But that's not the only choice. Here's another one. Somebody who discards some aspects of their Christian faith and beliefs and keeps others. This could also include incorporating new understandings the person might find meaningful from philosophy and Eastern spirituality and science and so on. But it's someone who discards some of their faith and beliefs that they once called Christian, but maybe not the whole freaking thing. And then here's a third option. Someone who does a a major reframing of their Christian faith and beliefs based upon, for example, applying a different biblical hermeneutic or starting with a different ontological or metaphysical foundation so people could do that as well. These aren't the only three options and they're not set in stone forever, but a person might start down one of these paths, they might morph into another and it's okay. So for me personally, I find profound and universal significance in Jesus, even though I do not hold traditional Christian beliefs about Jesus. I would even go so far to say that the Christian religion has prevented people from truly understanding, grasping, and living the truth that Jesus taught and lived. I often say that you cannot blame Christianity on Jesus. So in some ways, and I said this to Ainsley, my answer to Peter is not too dissimilar from what I would say to her. A person can find meaning in Jesus or not. You don't have to include Jesus in your spirituality, but you don't have to kick him out either. Either way, you do you. To be more specific, the deconstruction gods do not require you to give up Jesus, nor do they require you to burn your Bible. Both Jesus and the Bible have endured in significance, even among the non-religious. They both have, well, there's been all kinds of areas of great interest in Jesus and Christianity and the Bible, such as the fields of the philosophy of religion, psychology. In my view, even atheists and Jesus have countless things in common once you strip away Christian fundamentalism from it. So what I said to Ainsley was, it seems to me that you are an intelligent, thoughtful, critically thinking person. I think you can trust yourself and how you want to put the pieces together in your reconstruction process. And here's the thing, Ainsley, you know, I'm remembering back in my religious days, I would tell people God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And then later I discovered that everyone else also has a plan for your life. Unfortunately, this is sometimes what people find in their deconstruction process, meaning there are those who have an opinion about what they think you should or shouldn't do in your post-religion journey. This could include your friends, your family members, others who are deconstructing. The deconstruction process is not for the faint of heart, and I am sorry you have run into people like that along the way that have implied that your way of going about it is wrong. Ainsley, if you, let's say, came to me for spiritual spiritual direction, you said, Jim, I've deconstructed a lot of my Christian beliefs, and I'm not even sure I would be comfortable in calling myself a Christian, but I want to make a place for Jesus and the writings of the Bible, my spiritual path going forward. If you said this, my approach would be to hold space for you to explore the meaningful ways you feel like connection to Jesus and the Bible and what it might look for you to build upon this. 
Now, I did go on to say to Ainsley, because of what she said about the domestic violence situation with the congregant in her church, I said to her, it hurts my heart to know that the domestic violence situation in your church was one factor that led to your deconstruction journey. Journey. Sadly, I've worked with many women over the years who are victims of domestic violence in a toxic church environment that were enabled and even people turned a blind eye to this abuse. Abusers often employ religious texts and values to harm the survivor. This can be done by selectively quoting religious texts or interpreting religious values as a means to assert male entitlement and privilege or otherwise provide justification for the abuse. But I want to acknowledge and validate everything that Angelis implied in her question. Look, there are many paths of deconstruction. There is not a one-size-fits-all simple formula. The process of deconstruction and reconstruction is unique to every person. And I would look Ainsley straight in the eyes and say, your love for Jesus and desire to reframe the Bible is part of your unique process, and that's okay. Don't let anybody shame you for that. Don't let people try to talk you out of that. Don't let people make you feel like that your deconstruction process is any less. Look, Ainsley, if people don't like your path that you're taking, that's on them. What I've what I've learned, and you are learning too, is that you can't make everyone happy. You can't even make everyone understand. Some people will disapprove of your path, while others will feel understood, encouraged, validated, and even fortified by it. So count on me as one of those who has your back, inspired by your path, that you were choosing for yourself. And then I finally told Ainsley, reading between the lines of your message, I felt a heart of love, compassion, and goodwill toward others. I can only hope that whatever deconstruction path a person chooses for themselves, that it will deepen, expand their heart in these ways that are already true of you. All right, 21 minutes and 49 seconds. I got all that out. I just wanted you to kind of get an idea of what people often message me about deconstruction and reconstruction. Look, if you don't want to drag Jesus or the Bible forward, good, don't. If you want to make a place in your post-religious spirituality for Jesus and the Bible, by all means. This is your life. This is your deconstruction process. There isn't a courtroom in heaven with deconstruction gods that are looking down with disapproval. There is no permission that you need from anyone else to do you, to walk your path. However you cultivate a meaningful and authentic spirituality for yourself going forward. Okay, that's it for now. I hope everybody has a good rest of your day. I'll be back soon for another podcast. You can go to nonreligiousspirituality.com to connect with other people who are kind of in that deconstruction, post-religion, spirituality, reconstruction zone. And you'll find a lot of resources and connections with people there. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Visit nonreligiousspirituality.com to find community, resources, and more.